0: Hi, I'm Jenny Wood, writer of Flutter and A Boy Like Me. And I'm listening to Adrian Has Issues because Adrian has issues and I do too.
1: everybody welcome to adrian has issues today i'm joined by two guests one is a returning guest you've heard him on two episodes prior episodes 15 and 35 he's an illustrator and also an editor for 451 media and a creator of the committee from wayward raven and he's actually the editor of the project we'll be discussing today entitled hexed which is also written by my other guest, Kirsten Thompson. She has worked on some books as uh, Kim and Kim Volume 2, uh, Strange Wit, and is also a staff writer at Comics M&T and has contributed uh, to publications like Teen Vogue, Women Write About Comics, Talking About Comics, and other sites. And together we'll be discussing Hexed, which is a book that will be launched on Kickstarter. Please welcome Kirsten Thompson and James Emmett. Kirsten, James, how are you? i'm
0: good thanks for having me
1: no thank you when word got out about this i was already interested from the get-go but then as i delved further into the material and was reading what the story is about this is right up my alley so for those who are listening if you don't mind giving at least like a, a quick little rundown as to what hexed is about
0: sure um i can give you the sort of nutshell tagline which is that hex is basically a magical thriller mystery And it's sort of got a bunch of different elements in there. There's magic, there's personal drama, there's a bunch of politics, and there's an accidentally carnivorous plant. So there's a lot of stuff going on. There's a lot of layers. There's a lot of history in this world. um, And there's certainly a lot of world building that goes on behind the scenes and in the background.
1: And I've noticed with this book, and we'll get into the creative team behind it because, well, they're fantastic and definitely worth noting. But I did notice that with this book, which is our kind of at the forefront, Um, of course, set in the 60s in Washington, D.C. It's a nice little take on civil rights and social justice. So I wanted to ask you, really, is what was it about, you know, combining those two elements and really, you know, inspiring the story?
0: There's a bunch of stuff that went into that. I mean, you know, personal perspective, certainly. But, you know, just as a witch, as a woman and as a queer woman... There's sort of all these things that intersect, and I actually wrote a piece on this a few years ago um, about the intersection of witchcraft and being a queer person, and that they fit so neatly together. You know, you've got the nonconformity, the finding your own power, and the way that they're confronted by the rest of the world. I thought that it was an interesting idea that you have people who can do magic And some of the political rhetoric that comes up around it, like there's a a bad character, and I won't go into too many spoilers about this guy, but he's basically the typical GOP talking head who thinks that witches are a loaded weapon. If you're a witch, you're walking around with whatever the weapon of choice is, and you don't have to have a license. He wants to license them. He wants to regulate them. He wants to, you know, put them away whenever possible. And so you've got things happening that I think a lot of people find familiar, you've got all this regulation on magic, regulations on how you can use magic, you know, spell stops, you know, where witches are being arrested and stopped for nothing, you know. And I thought it was just an interesting way to sort of, for one, point out a lot of the stuff that's going on that people are aware of and some of the other stuff that people may not be as familiar with, but just saying there are so many things we have in common, you know, and so this this fight, there's some legislation that's going on in the background of the story towards regulating witches, and people just keep coming together because they can identify with the struggle and say, well, if you're coming for the witches, who else are you going to come for? We know where this goes. And the idea that this is a long tradition, you know, these are the witches you couldn't burn. You know, they've been around for centuries, and it isn't until the 60s that they said, okay, we're going to come forward. We're going to sort of show ourselves and we're going to be a part of the process, whatever it is. So that was kind of my thinking as I was, you know, coming up with the world.
1: I mean, I'm going to be completely honest with you. I mean, I'm not very well versed in the world of witchcraft um, and what it entails. So it was um, very educational for me. And I think it's an interesting field to then, you know, to discuss larger issues.
0: Yeah. And I think that there's, I think there's a perception for movies, certainly of witchcraft as one thing. Um, and I think we have a much better pop culture understanding nowadays. You know, there's more variety in the stories. It's not just a little old lady in the woods who doesn't have any of her teeth, you know? Right. <laughs> and I mean, we've had, you know, Hocus Pocus, we've had Practical Magic, we've had, you know, Sabrina, you know, The Chilling Adventures, you know, Spell on Wheels. I and mean, all those are really good works that are a variety. But, I mean, there's so many different schools of thinking about witchcraft. And in this particular world, I want to have certain rules that are hard and fast and certain rules that are more flexible. So you can do certain things, you qualify as a witch. You know, you can do other things, great. That's just gravy, you know. But there are certain things you need to be able to do to be officially qualified. And if you're not, then you're in a kind of gray area. But so long as no, you know, the big magical authority doesn't know about you and you're not doing anything bad they probably don't care you know <laughs> yeah I mean, they've got other stuff to deal with
1: you know right exactly so um, with creating the story and knowing the idea behind it i want to also discuss the creative team behind this because um, there's some incredible talent james included i'm the lowest of the totem poles <laughs> <laughs> oh, stop! <laughs> you are essential to the process. Don't do that. No, and I'm gonna say this on record that editors are as every bit as crucial to the creation process as anybody else. And for anyone who's listening and also you, James, don't let anybody tell you different. You know, if you put work into a book or music, whatever, whatever the case may be, that is a necessary part. So by all means, like definitely don't think of yourself <laughs> too little in that regard. <laughs>
2: The trick is to surround yourself with really great people and then to kind of like let them run amok and then to rein them in when they need to be reined in. It's not a lot because they're, I mean, if you pick the right people, which I've been lucky enough, they just kind of do great work and you just kind of go with it.
1: Right. I don't know if you want to get into assembling the team as well as um, some of the people who are also working on this comic.
0: I mean, I think that we have a really amazing team and I know I'm biased. (laughs) (laughs) I know that James will attest that I do a lot of making high pitched noises and clapping my hands whenever (laughs) something new is turned in. And, uh, you know, so we've got, you know, a fantastic artist doing the interior work, you know, Christiane Goudreau. Um, she got nominated for a Dwayne McDuffie Award for diversity for the webcomic Full Circle. And her art is just, I cannot wait for everyone to see the art because I just think, oh my God, it's just so beautiful. She's just got such a command of, you know, not only the magic and the glyphs that are being used, but just people, you know, because this is a world that's inhabited by all kinds of people, you know, and it's very much today. You know, it's not the, everybody dresses like this and acts like this. We're kind of mechanical. It's no everybody's different shapes, different sizes, different races. It's just very, it feels very real, feels very organic. So I really love that about her work. And, you know, Sarah Duval is the cover artist and they are an Eisner nominated artist and they've worked on Deja Bru and just finished up a historical graphic novel, which is coming out this year. And, their work. We were just looking at, you know, finishing up the cover, and it looks fantastic.
1: Yeah, James just sent over the cover, and it's it's so good.
0: Oh my, God. it's it's so hard not to show people. I just I just keep, you know, saying I've got something cool I'm working on, and then Taylor Esposito, um, last but certainly not least, because. Taylor and I have been friends for a while and we've worked together on different projects and we are work buddies. You know, we slack all the time and he is often the person who hears my ideas and says, what are you doing with that? Where are you going (laughs) with that? And he is so essential. I think letters don't get enough credit for so many reasons, but he is so good at parsing things out. And I just saw the lettered pages and he picked the perfect font, the perfect background for the captions. I mean, I just so spot on you know I got to yell at him and say this is amazing work you know this is just people are going to love it it's so perfect it ties in thematically so I love the team they're doing great work and I'm so lucky to have them working on this project with me
2: yeah and Taylor and I go way back to he's I could gush about him for basically the rest of my life I think Um, Uh (laughs) (laughs) he doesn't get enough credit no he doesn't And um, I mean, Kristen and Sarah Duvall, they like to be credited as little Corvus. So they're fantastic and they are doing such great work. And um, Kristen, just when she turned in those interior pages and those colors and uh, she handled everything, you know, pencils to inks to colors. And it's something that not everybody can do, but she knocked it out of the park every page. And it was just crazy.
0: Yeah, I mean, I have the right now. I'm just looking at them, and they just look so great. And this, the colors are so wonderful. You know, there's such a vibrancy to them.
1: I think that's a really interesting stylistic choice. You can take something that's so colorful, so vibrant, but also use that as a means to... I don't want to use the term "accessible" to give it, you know, a possible negative connotation, but you know, especially when you're speaking about such heavy subject matter, sometimes having it presented in a way that's very inviting, I, I feel that it, it's very rewarding in that respect.
0: Yeah, it's a world where serious stuff happens, but that doesn't mean that everything has to look serious, you know, and stark. You know, I think that's that is very uh, in keeping with the tone of the book. You know, there's there's things that are going on that aren't fun, that are scary and dangerous. You know, but there's also really good stuff that's happening. You know, I mean, there's there's romance in this book. Which, actually, let's get
1: into the romance part of this. I mean, (laughs) we'll get to the, because, see, now you got my attention. (laughs) Yes.
0: Um, So, I'll talk a little bit about one of the main characters. um, Charlie, short for Charlotte, is sort of our in to the book. And she's been working for a senator in... D.C., and she's kind of a junior staff member sort of person, and she goes out and she does a lot of the groundwork and, you know, listening in to the right people's conversations and providing the perspective of a witch to this, you know, this gentleman's campaigns and to his, you know, efforts, legalization and witches' rights. And when all this happens, when all this stuff goes down, she gets help from her ex-girlfriend, Jaya, who is an utter badass in the gray area of witchcraft in the, in the political scene. Jaya is the one who will kick down the door and blast things. But, you know, there's a lot of history there. And some of it you get to touch on, you get to see in the book. And some of it's way back there. And you're not going to get to see it unless we, by hook or by crook, got to write an extension of this story, which I would love. But so there's the difficulty of working with someone who you are obviously still attracted to, you have all this history with. But then they come down to certain issues where Jaya has to say, well, do I want to go forward with this? And it's not going to be, oh, I love you so much. And, you know, therefore we're going to do this thing. It's crap. Do we have, you know, are the resources there? Is this going to be too dangerous? What is my morality? I mean, there's all these different questions, but these women still care for each other, you know? And I mean, that's very much conveyed in the book. One of the other people that Charlie hooks up with, you know, is working with is an ex-boyfriend from college who is now an attorney, which comes in handy when you're in trouble in D.C., as I think we know from the news. Um, but he's actually a good attorney <laughs> and has an adorable <laughs> dog, uh, you know. So she's got she's obviously a queer woman, you know. She's using bi or pansexual, you know, and that's right there in the book. You know, I wanted to make it clear this is a character who is doing all this stuff, and she happens to be queer. The story is not about the fact that she is a queer woman, you know. That that's just part of who she is. But I did want to work in that sort of romance angle of the thriller because we don't get to see these stories. You know, it's very rare to get to see. A witch and a queer witch in a political thriller.
1: Right. Was and especially with those relationships being as complicated, you know, especially when you're working with your ex. That's. Uh...
0: <laughs> yeah, she's got. I mean, they definitely still like each other. They're still very flirty, um, you know. But you do have there is that. There's moments where they're saying hi you know, really, should we get into this again? It's like, well, we could. And, you know, I really enjoy writing their dynamic because they snark a little bit. You know, they've got the all, you know, as I said, all that history. And so that's something that they can delve into. And it's, it can be a source of, you know, bringing them together can also push them apart a little bit because they're different backgrounds, you know. Jaya comes from a tradition of much more, uh, magic is much more accepted. It's less regulated, you know, whereas Charlie actually comes from the very, um by the book magical tradition she basically got out of that environment and there because there is that overarching magical authority and her family is all tied up in that and so that is a point of conflict between she and jaya because jaya didn't get told all of the details and some that are com- going to come back and bite them in the butt
1: <laughs> <Not> the <laughs> right and then having to juggle those personal relationships and of course the the larger scale because you know this also affects legislation and so it's you know I, i'd imagine I'm thinking now, of course, having to possibly work with my ex (laughs) and having to sort of fight a larger battle. And I'm like, shit, can I actually do that? Is that possible?
0: (laughs) Well, they're trying their best. And as I said, they're just they're so fun to write for because when they're working together, they just you you get the sense of these two women know each other. They know each other's styles. They know each other's strengths and their weaknesses. And so that's a good thing, except when you're fighting, obviously, because then you can just hit those weak points straight on and it hurts really bad. But yeah, I just so much fun to write these characters. You know, they're just there's so much history there. I'd love to write their backstory. I want to write more stories with them in the future. They're just there's so much going on there.
1: So being as how this is a Kickstarter, uh, one of the things I'd also want to get into is, well, not even just the perks, but what exactly do you hope to get out of a Kickstarter? Because I know, you know, there's certain rewards. And I know lately I've noticed so I'm speaking to a former guest about this is that, with Kickstarter, finding ways to make it as open to everybody. So, um, if we could get into a little bit of maybe some of the rewards tiers and the mission statement behind launching this as a Kickstarter.
0: James, did you want to touch on that a little bit? Because you've got some <laughs> sure.
2: <more> recent details.
0: <laughs>
2: uh, I think. Um, I mean, we have a lot of great rewards coming up, and um, other artists' names that I w- I'm happy to drop now. Um, we actually have a fantastic artist named Meredith McLaren. Who's going to be doing a variant cover so you can get two books at the price of $25 with along with um, a bunch of other rewards that'll be coming along as well. downloadable protest posters, the X that you'll see on the cover on the fist which has sort of become our icon as part of being a witch and in protest. And then we also are offering a tote bag at $75. So all of this kind of accrues and builds up to more and more rewards. So you kind of build on top of the previous one. We have some great rewards that we're gathering right now. And we have different packs and we have a, something called a protest pack. So you get four downloadable protest posters. You get four buttons with great art and designs. You get the, the X uh, temporary tattoo. You get the variant cover. You get the regular cover by little Corvus who, again, did a fantastic job and I'm really looking forward to seeing the Meredith one when she um, finishes that up. Um, and then we're going to have something called the Sisterhood Pack, which is four great artists who are going to be providing mini prints of artwork as well, which is accruing on top of the other pieces that you'll be getting, which will include, so far I've got uh, Yoshi Yoshitani and Natasha alterici doing artwork and uh, more to be announced. I'm locking in two more talents. So um, it's been really, really exciting sort of being able to work with fantastic women and talk to all these great artists who come from such various backgrounds and have to, are extremely talented and are happy to be involved and really excited about the story. And it's really, really cool. It's really exciting. And we also have another tier, I think it's um, $150, and you can put in and we will be donating 5 of uh, the first issue to any LGBT youth center that of your choice, uh, you'll be still getting the two comics for yourself. It's very like we're building on top of each previous tier. So we're really, really excited about the different areas that we're covering.
1: I know you from having spoke to you with your work. You know, through the committee, which is actually the first time we talked. Um, way back when I said that was I said episode fifteen, <laughs> and it's kind of strange now having known you that long. And you know, of course, you know your work with four fifty one, and and following your progress along these years has been nothing short of fascinating. And you know, knowing your work, and especially as an activist, and I wanted to kind of pick your brain a little bit as to what it was about this story that attracted you, and you know, your experiences working on this along with the other creators.
2: When I first received the script from Kirsten, I actually did an out call because I really wanted to bring in a new property to 451. That was the original goal in mind that I had, that I kind of wanted to showcase different LGBT diverse talent that's out there that I felt weren't properly represented through 451 or other companies. And I really just wanted to try and like reach out and diversify our own pool of talent. And I was really, really excited when I heard from Kirsten. Um, Kirsten, I think I was following Kirsten on Twitter. I don't remember. I can't remember anything anymore. <laughs> we were following, you were following me, or you we were following each other at that point. Yes, I couldn't remember what the process was, but I know that you reached out after I did that call. Correct? I don't remember. She sent in this, like, pretty much just this, just the story as it is right now, and it, it it was awesome to read. And I am an activist, and I like tweet a lot about what's what's going on with america and i talk about it a lot i go to protest and i donate to everything that i possibly can and and uh, you know and i'm frightened by every news article and news update out of washington dc so when i read this story it connected with me on those levels but also because i've always been interested in magic and fantasy and i love the juxtaposition of bringing it into modern day and having these women and dealing with politics and dealing with what we know, how hard uh, politics are for women, just by the showcase of Hillary Clinton and what she had to sort of face publicly. Um, So I think all of those things, like all of those were check marks to me. They just like, I was like, this is a really interesting, great story and it's touching on so much in parallel with so much of what's going on in our society right now. And I think it's really, really important. And I think it was a really important story um, to tell. So I'm really passionate about it. I'm like driven to make this happen one way or the other. And I, I think people will connect with it. I know people are connecting with it. So it's very exciting to watch. We're building up like this little like grassroots momentum right now with like sort of like tongue in cheek protest photos and playing with the idea of like just the parallels of what's going on with our world today. And, you know, the outcry and the people taking to the streets and fighting back and fighting for civil rights and um, equality. And I think those are important notes to hit on with the story. But the story has so much in addition to that. I don't want to say so much more, but in addition to it.
1: And that's uh, (laughs) a subject that can never be overstated in any way that those stories can be told. And something you touched on earlier that I kind of want to bring back is introducing a more diverse array of creators, you know, even within, like, let's say the company, but also just in general, because, you know, it's kind of crazy when you think about the stories that are being told and how, you know, in 2018, you would think that, you know, certain things would not really have to be addressed that, you know, it would finally come to a point where it's understood You know, you're still having to fight for what's essentially basic human rights on top of everything else. And your existence almost becomes in and of itself like a form of protest, you know. So having looked at the materials and, you know, especially with all like the pages and and just seeing the imagery of the protesters. And I think it's a very powerful statement that definitely hits on a lot of things. And I feel at least, you know, drew me towards it because, I mean... (laughs) Even just up until a couple of minutes ago, before even uh, hitting the record button, you know, I was reading the news and like, my God, like there's so much work that still has to be done. And comics have always been a way to discuss issues, whether it be directly or indirectly. And I'm at least just glad that, you know, the two of you and along with the other creators involved in this book are pushing that forward because like I said, it's, it can't be said enough and... it it needs to be done. And it's, I can imagine it's not always an easy thing to do. No. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Basically it's like, no,
0: (laughs) no. I I mean, I think uh, expanding on that very, you know, very good answer. Uh, You know, it it can be, it's, it can be difficult, you know, it could feel like an uphill battle, but I think that there's so much more awareness now. And I think a part that is due to social media that we are talking to each other, in a way that we couldn't, you know, we're talking to people around the world. We're seeing what's happening. You know, it's not just you're reading in a newspaper four days later that this thing happened. You're seeing it a lot in in many cases. And so that brings things home for many people and it makes them
1: much more real. And with that realness, I also feel that there's a level of discomfort, which I feel is also necessary because sometimes people don't realize the work that needs to be done unless they are shown certain things and believe me it would be much easier to not have to witness someone's suffering in order for there to be change but i feel like sometimes at least you know that that shaking you know grabbing by the collars a little bit sometimes you know it needs to be put in the you know in the forefront so that way people can recognize and be aware like to make a change
0: yeah and i i would agree with you i think there's there's definitely a degree of discomfort in recognizing, you know, for many you know, your, your privilege, you know, that, you know, I may be a queer woman, but I'm also a queer white woman. And there is a hell of a lot of privilege that goes along with that. And I think that calling that out is good. You know, I think that we need to be doing that more. I think that there's, you know, with movements like the me too movement, I think a lot of guys are realizing that they have a lot of privilege And that's scary to have to recognize that, to have to admit that and let some of that go, you know, and realize that that's not acceptable. You know, that's not going to be tolerated. You don't don't get to get away with it anymore, you know, and if you do think you are, then it's going to be all over the news. Someone's going to take a picture of you. Someone's going to talk about you. They're not just going to be quiet. That's the age we're living in is people aren't shutting up about it. You know, They're not just going to shut up and go away. Someone is going to keep talking about it. And that's so essential for progress, but it is not comfortable for people.
1: Right.
2: What did Michelle Wolfe say at the end of her really popular address? um, (laughs) (laughs) Where she said, uh, she was saying, oh, I'm a woman in 2018. I'm not going to shut up and go away. And I was like, yes, exactly. So it's like, and I think that's the truest thing to come out of the Me Too movement. And I mean, of course, with all the revelations about the grotesque horrible men is that these women are reclaiming their time, you know, like let's put a lot of great women. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. It's kind of like their time and it's their chance to speak out and speak up. And it's sort of amazing to watch.
1: Especially since speaking out does often come with its own share of issues because with speaking up, there's some people who want, of course, hear those voices silenced and there's nothing you know, the courageousness really is what it comes down to of people who are marginalized, who are willing to speak up about their experiences, good and bad, and not just even just calling people out, but just calling attention that, hey, we exist and not allowing, you know, themselves to be erased or just, you know, pushed under the table. So, and with that, you know, there's always that pushback, which is, I, you know, really scary, but yet... The fact that people are speaking out, and especially, like I said, women in other marginalized groups, and being heard, that's the other part, too, is, you know, to not only speak up, but having people listen to be receptive and willing to also say, you know what, you're right. This does need to change. Let's work on that. Definitely. Kirsten, mm-hmm. you've worked on some of your things, and especially with your um, work, I don't know if you want to touch a little bit on, you know, some of the other publications you've written for, and some of your mission statements and other things you would kind of hope to accomplish alongside Hexed. So I don't know if there are any future plans or other things that you want to discuss at, like, later points, if anything you want to touch on here?
0: Uh, well, I have—James <laughs> uh, will laugh in the background, because I'm always writing.
2: <laughs> um, writing.
0: I <laughs> mean, I have— Three other miniseries that are finished, and I'm working on another one, which is probably going to be either six issues or a graphic novel at this point. I'm looking at the outlining, and that's where it's headed. So that's in addition to, you know, my freelance writing for CBR and, you know, the Mint, of course, you know, for the Mint, I do an Archie Comics ongoing series where I look at each title that's being published by you know the publisher obviously and that is getting longer and longer because they keep releasing titles but I'm not complaining um, <laughs> it's really fun I mean they do you know oh, there's Vampire Veronica there's Werewolf Jug I'm like okay sign me up <laughs> and you know, I, so I do that which is you know very much very fun and I think this issue is coming out soon our editor is editing it right now I also do some you know freelance writing for CBR as I said which is kind of just general news stuff and then Yeah, just keeping working on comics because I can't not write. I write my day job. I write all the time. I have a notebook with me twenty four seven. So I I get twitchy if I'm not writing. (laughs) Always something being written, and James gets them all because I get to say, "Here, look at
2: this." (laughs) Your turnout time though, and your turnaround time is crazy. Like I was like, oh, like I had like small like you know some edits for her and. I don't know, the first pass that we did on May is very small, nothing crazy, but like we were talking about it back and forth. And then like the next day, like the next morning, I had all four books like back and like edited and I was like, God, this woman is amazing and prolific and wants it. And that's like, that's half the battle. It's just like getting up and doing it almost for yourself and just because you can't stop, which is great.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I think I have a good system, you know, the way I outline and plan things, you know, I know where each project is going. It's not just writing, you know, sort of blithely into a wall. It's, you know, (laughs) I, I plot out each issue, then I micro plan each issue, you know, to the arcs within it, you know, so I do a lot of index cards, which I find for me, that works great, you know, and so I know where everything is going. And that way, when I have to go back and trim stuff out, it's really easy to see where the excess is because I can look at my outline and say well this is really where we need to go and this is fun but it could probably go in another issue or be saved you know for another project you know so that I think makes it a lot easier for me I mean I think I'm on issue almost done with issue three of my current project and it's just going right where I want it to go so it's, it's really fun and I can't talk about it yet but I really want to <laughs>
1: no worries but i mean since you've been doing so much work and you know you are a prolific writer you know what fuels you like what is you know what is your influence because to write day in day out whether it be on personal projects or for other publications like what is it that keeps you going
0: well i think for one thing i like you know i'm i feel that there aren't enough queer voices out there i feel that we need to have a whole bunch of queer stories. And I've I've seen multiple discussions about this on social media where there is a almost policing of, you know, queer stories saying, well, they need to fit a certain mold. It's like, no, we need every variation. We need queer stories about queer toadstools who go on grand adventures. I mean, we need every variation. We need the good romances. We need the absolute sappiest stuff out there. The cheesy bad movies that you watch at 3am with, you know, a pint of ice cream and you laugh your head off. You know, I mean, we need all those stories out there. And I think that that's critical to, you know, overall inclusion and acceptance. And I have a lot of ideas, you know, I mean, I think as I'm touching on James again, but he knows I've pitched him so many things that, hey, so I'm working on this and I'm working on this and I'm working on this. And it's not like I'm checking off boxes. I just, I'll sit down to write and go, you know, what would be cool. And then I write down. You Know because I just want those stories out there so that someone I'm hoping that you know, some teenager or adult or whomever looks at it and says, I want a story about this, and they can look out there and say, Oh, a story about queer witches and a political thriller. Here it is. You know, you don't have to say, Well, this book isn't out there, it should exist, and there should be many more of them. You know, there should be all kinds of versions of this, you know, of witch political thrillers or queer political thrillers. You know, right, we need to have stories, you know, we have. So many, I mean, how many bad horror movies do we have on Netflix, you know, with the same basic scenario? It's like, no, we need much more variety out there. So it's just, nobody cares who is in love with who. It's just, how good is the story? You know, that's what's worthwhile.
1: Over the weekend or last week, I was um back in Jersey at um, my comic shop and just, you know, and talking to the clerks and having people come in and uh, I... Obviously, I don't know their names, but someone had come in and had been looking for a copy of Bingo Love, and not only did the store carry it, but seeing the excitement on their faces as it was being rung up. And I don't remember their exact words, but they were just so excited. Just the fact that not only the store carried it, but they were actually able to read it. And that reaction to me, I haven't been able to stop thinking about because that book, and along with a lot of books that have been telling some stories, it's wonderful that they exist because i'm looking over and i there's no other way to say it but you know the people who had purchased the book i didn't see in comic shops not even five years ago let alone you know 10 20 or 15 like it's i just love that now books are where now people can come in and read stories or even if they don't get them from specifically physical shots if they want to get them online or you know digitally from you know the creators themselves but I know. And it sounds very schmaltzy, but I'm just so happy that this is happening. And, you know, there's plenty of work to be done, as difficult as it is, and at times maybe even feeling hopeless because, you know, it, it sucks when it's like, oh, I'm about to record. And then, of course, I'm going through trending topics. And, oh, good, more ridiculous legislation is being passed. And it's like, it's it's soul crushing because you're like, damn, like, you know, is it worth it? But then, you know, hearing your passion, hearing James' passion, and just the fact that all these creators on this believe in this story and so many like it, it at least gives me a sense of hope.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I was talking about this to uh, a couple of queer friends of mine. You know, we were at some ladies' dinner night, which was great. Um, <laughs> way too much food, but it was great. You know, and I was describing the story. And they said, holy crap, that's awesome. And then another one of my friends who had had a couple glasses of wine at this point, <laughs> uh, she says, you know, I noticed that a lot of your villains are these straight white dudes, you know, in these kind of, you know, this this archetype. And I look at her and said, you've known me for, since we were like in junior high. I'm not subtle about this. She's <laughs> like, oh my God. <laughs> I was like, no, seriously, because who do we see out there screwing a lot of stuff up? You know, I, I think that we need to shake up the status quo. I think it's being shook up, but obviously there's a lot more work. And I hope that people love the book. If they don't love it because it makes them uncomfortable, that's their loss. But hopefully it'll give them something to think about in the meantime. I want it out there. I think there is so much room in this genre. And you're talking about people feeling more welcome in comic shops. And yeah, it's that is an uphill battle. Because even in my local shops, you know, I've been into them. And it's like people freeze You know, like those, the tabletop gamers who I've known many good tabletop gamers, but in this particular shop, you walk in there and you look, you present as female and they freeze like you're a T-Rex.
1: Right. It's like that record scratch noise almost comes into play.
0: Oh, it was. I literally heard that record scratch. The shop owner was glorious. He's like, oh, hello. You know, and he was welcoming, but the guy's just, oh my God, there's someone who's not a dude. And I'm like, I'm just going to get my books and I'm going to go because I don't feel welcome here. But we have an effort now for shop owners to not only the shops that are owned by women, which is so great, and we need more of them, but just the fact they realize there's this massive audience out there. And if you stock these books, they're going to come to your shop and buy them. <laughs> and they'll tell their friends, like superhero books are great, but they're not, what's, they're not the only thing that's out there. They, there should be much more out there. Um, and it's just having more stories in the shops is going to make, you know, is going to fuel the industry. It's going to keep it healthy. It's going to keep it diverse because the competition, you know, to appeal to a wide base is what's going to make this industry, you know, give it longevity, essentially. Right. Instead of just saying, let's just marvel in D.C. Because that's the other thing. We need to get more of these stories on screen, not just in the comics. We need to adapt them, you know, and, you know, I think that's another issue, um, which is a whole nother set of, you know, a whole nother conversation. But we need to have the representation say, look, comics is doing it. Why aren't you? Right. You know, and have have the editor industry say, oh, they made money, you know, because that seems to be what talks. You know, like we had Love, you know, the Love Simon movie, which did quite well. And it's like, oh, people will come and see these movies. Yes, they will. Mm-hmm. If they're, you know, I mean, we look at Wrinkle and Time and all those other movies that have made, you know, Black Panther shattering every single record there is. You know, or when Luke Cage broke Netflix,
1: yeah, was awesome. <laughs> and it's like, you mean to tell me that when you make these things and make them good, that people come see them? It's like, yeah, no shit. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah it's like I watched the first episode of Luke Cage. I was like, all right, I'm not doing anything else today. I'm here. I'm
2: right. <laughs> like <laughs> you know. the longest time, we had expectations of who the audience was, and we had to realize that 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 might be shifting, and that is shifting, and that's changing, and even those expectations were wrong because I grew up reading. All the same comics those straight white dudes were, and guess what? Not straight. So there it is. (laughs) You know what I mean?
0: I I remember reading comics where we had one of those spinner racks in the grocery store, and I read whatever I could reach, whether or not it was appropriate. I read a whole bunch of stuff (laughs) while my mother was checking out, and I just remember the variety of comics. And I remember my dad got me my first comics when I was a kid. That's how he rewarded me for math tests. Was uh, if you get this grade on your math test, I will go take you to the comic store and I will buy you a bunch of comics. Okay, Dad. <laughs> um, Ace <laughs> every <laughs> test. I, I did better in math. Yes, I did. I mean, I've got, got those comics too. They're in, you know, um, their folders and all that stuff. But yeah, I mean, I grew up reading them, you know, and I'm obviously not a dude. And um, if you see my AVI, I'm, I'm not a dude. There's <laughs> a lot shorter, so I should probably update that. Um, but Yeah, it's like, and I've seen all those wonderful pictures of, like, you know, in the 30s and before of women, you know, and girls reading comics. It's like, that audience has always been there. Mm-hmm. And I think it's is what changed. It's not the audience. I mean, there's more of us, certainly. But the awareness of that audience is what's shifting. It's like, we've always been here. You just haven't cared.
1: <laughs> exactly.
0: Please, you want to see the boxes of comics I've got upstairs? The shelves of them in here in my office, which I'm surrounded by. <laughs> you know, it's like, and I think that a good example is, like, You look at how manga has thrived, how manga outsells comics every day, because there are so many stories, you know, I mean, it's just, they're not afraid to just go out there. It's like fruits basket, you know, oh wait, these people turn into animals when they're hugged. Oh wait, we'll just go with it. Or, I mean, there's, there's so many scenarios and they'll just go and just run with it for 30 volumes and they'll acquire a massive fan base because they're, they're not afraid to experiment. And I think that's, We're seeing more of that in American comics as people are starting to say, well, why don't we do more fun stories? It doesn't always have to be capes. It doesn't always have to be, you know, this very rigid storytelling. And so we're getting more and more of that. And I think there's going to be more crossover in those audiences now, which is really cool to see.
1: Right. And I feel like there needs to be, and I say this all the time, in the world where I've laughed and cried at a talking tree saying the same three words, Oh, God. You've officially run out of excuses for why nothing else can be done.
0: Oh, my gosh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, oh, I mean, I just wish people, it's like, um, because there's so many good, and I'm touching on the anime manga thing again, because you've got Avatar, which that is a massively successful anime. You know, you've got spin off comics, you've got all this stuff. It's like, that was one situation where people said, oh, maybe we should do something with this, mm-hmm. you know? Or something like Full Metal Alchemist, which I always recommend people say, yes, if you'd like to laugh and cry your heart out, you know, it will crush your soul, but it'll look really pretty, you know, because that's had like multiple iterations, they have live action movie, you know, and they just, it's a really cool concept that it's just, it's, I love the way they do different things because I'm I'm binging a a manga right now and it's just so much fun to watch one author take one concept and another take one that's kind of similar and then they just go in completely different directions. And they're not worried about, well, what if there's too many of this kind of weird story? It's like, no, they're like, well, we'll make, we'll make 20 <laughs> stories, kind of like that. It's like, okay, that's great. I just have to spend $400 on manga, you know? It's like, I'll go with that. Right. So, <laughs> yeah, I just want, to, I want there to be so many of these stories. I want to make as many as I can. And I want other people to say, well, I want to make a political thriller that has witches or that has queer women. I'm like, great, I'll buy it. Because we didn't have that growing up, and it's needed. I mean, it's more than needed. It's essential.
1: Well, thank you so much for even taking the time to create it. And, you know, thank you to everybody in the creative process for putting this together. And I really hope, and I'm sure they will take to this, like I said, it needs to happen but in the spirit of, of course, letting people know where they can find it, I know um, it'll be available on Kickstarter. But I also know that there's some uh, social media sites that are also dedicated to it. So I don't know if you wanted to uh, touch on those real quickly before we head out.
2: Yeah, we made it really simple for everyone because that's how social media should be. And I also, <laughs> I'm i also at my own, but I'm good at figuring it out for everything else. So for,
1: <laughs> for
2: Hexed, it's Hex. H-E-X-E-D underscore comic for everything. For Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And we update every day with new content. And we're going to have character designs and artwork and cover reveals. And it's going to be really, really fun leading up to the actual launch of the campaign yeah which is like right around the corner when i look at the calendar i have a a little bit of an anxiety attack happening every day but it's okay okay. (laughs) i'm just so excited when everything comes out because i can say look look at this thing
0: and look at this other shiny (laughs) thing because right now on twitter i'm like i can't show you the shiny but it's really shiny
1: i don't know if you wanted to throw out any of um your social media outlets or any place where anyone can interact with you or read any more of your material
0: Yeah, I mean, you can definitely find me on Twitter. And I mean, I think that I post a lot about politics and random stuff as well. Um, But it's at K-A-T-A-N-N Thompson, T-H-O-M-P-S-O-N. So prepare for lots of ramblings and occasional, you know, rants about (laughs)
1: stuff. (laughs) Awesome. Uh, James?
2: Oh, I'm at James B Emmett, E-M-M-E-T-T. Yeah, I rant about politics and cry and talk about drag race every so often. Um, (laughs) Oh, I just saw Tricks and Mattel last night, and it was, uh, not last night, Saturday night, and it was fantastic. I had a great time.
1: Again, thank you so much for everything. And uh, that'll do it for this episode of Agent Has Issues, and we will see you next issue.
2: Thank you for listening to Adrian Has Issues. Please visit us on the web at adrianhasissues.com where you can stream and download all of our other great episodes. Like us on Facebook at facebookcom backslash Adrian Has Issues. Follow us on Twitter at Adrian Has Issues and on Instagram at Adrian Has Issues Pod. You can also find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, and the Laughable Podcast app. Thanks again!